Broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. This is Unnecessary Roughness. Caught at the 20. Racing near sideline 10. Turn of the 5. Touchdown Raiders. The crowd applauds because Las Vegas just win, baby. Unnecessary Roughness on Raider Nation Radio, 920 AM. Here's your boy Q. Straight off the East ESPN newsroom, the Milwaukee Bucks dismissed Coach Mike Budenholzer. That's from Woj. So that's just another team. Another team that, well, just won a championship a couple years ago, now doesn't have a head coach. Similar to the Toronto Raptors. The Toronto Raptors have already put in the, the call to Coach Becky Hammond of the LV Aces to request an interview. So don't think for a second that the Milwaukee Bucks won't be doing the same thing. I already see it trending on Twitter, Becky Hammond to the Bucks. So uh, she is one that is going to be a very, very popular coach for a very long time, winning a championship with the Aces in her first year here in Las Vegas. So uh, good for her. It's great that she's getting all the uh, attention and exposure. Uh, but right now she's, uh, she's busy taking care of the Aces. And, of course, we'll talk a little Aces later on in the show around 4.30 with Paloma Villacana from Fox 5 Sports. But right now join us on the phone lines from dogcentral.com is our good friend Graham Cox. And Graham, thanks so much for your time this afternoon. We definitely appreciate you. And wanted to talk about uh, Christopher Smith II. He's a, a draft pick, the safety out of Georgia, the draft pick for the Raiders, and a guy that, in my opinion, looks like he's still growing. Looks like he's still getting better and has had three interceptions the last two seasons there at Georgia. What can you tell us about Chris Smith? Kind of give us a little bit of background on the young man. Yeah, absolutely. Um, definitely a guy who I think with so many NFL prospects on that Georgia defense over the last couple of years. I think he's one of those that was really, really highly appreciated by and by Georgia fans, but maybe not as well known nationally. Um, I, I think I tweeted actually, like on the first day of the draft, you know, that somebody is going to pop up and grab Christopher Smith somewhere in the middle of the late rounds. And when they do, they're going to get a guy who can come in and, and, and play right away just because he is an extremely savvy football player. Not the biggest guy, you know, uh, kind of right there, 5'11", 6' uh, tall, but very, very quick. Uh, you know, you go back to Georgia's 2021 national championship season and they opened the year against Clemson and Charlotte, big primetime game, you know, biggest game of the weekend in college football. And the only touchdown in that game was a – a pick six that he had from about 70 yards out. So, I mean, quick, and if he gets the hands, his, his hands on the ball, he can do a lot with it. But I think really kind of quietly over the last couple of years, he was kind of, you know, the, the backbone of that secondary in a lot of ways, always organized. If you go back and watch some of his tape from 2021 and 2022 and you focus on him pre-snap, he's often telling guys where to go. And a lot of times – He's recognizing things that he saw in film, and you know there's there's a few plays in his highlight book that you know you'll you'll see him pointing out an orbit motion that's coming pre-snap, and and he knows where the ball is going to be. So he's a really really smart football player and high character guy uh, who you know Georgia really relied on to be a leader in 2022 after losing so many 
defensive players to the draft from the 2021 championship team, and, and he stepped up and, and led them to a 15-0 and season. You mentioned his film study and kind of knowing what's coming and lining guys up. And, I mean, look, this guy is not the, the guy that's going to go out there and test amazing, right? He's not going to run the fastest 40. He's not going to be the strongest dude. He's not going to jump the highest. But he just has that football IQ and studying film and just kind of knows where to be and when to be there. Is that all? Does that all relate back to film study, or is that just a lot of natural instincts that he has when the lights come on? Yeah, I think he's got the natural instincts, but I think he couples those with a lot of hard work. Um, you know, he, he's a guy that came in, and, I mean, he was a four-star recruit, but he was part of a Georgia class that was ranked number one in the nation and, you know, played at a uh, smaller kind of private school in the Atlanta area and I think was a little bit overlooked. Um, you know, he, he got pushed into action in 2020, when Richard LeCount, who was a, a draft prospect in his own right, got in a motorcycle accident with about a month left in the season. And when he came on the field, I think a lot of people were surprised and thought that there were maybe some, some other guys ahead of him in the depth chart that were highly rated as recruits and you know maybe a little more athletically gifted than he was. But it, it, it's the, the smart consistency that he brings to the table and I think if you look at Kirby Smart defenses they want to you know they, they want to create havoc but more than that I think they're they're often focused on uh, you know limiting explosive plays and making you work for it and, and forcing you to drive the field in small chunks and saying if you're consistent enough to to beat us that way then hats off to you but we think if we can we can keep the you know the big crippling 20, 30, 40 yard plays out of the game, then we're going to win. Um, and normally they do. Right. So <laughs> yeah. I think he, he's a big part of that. And if you kind of just look at his game, I, I think that's, that's what you see. Uh, you, you know, he's not going to take a ton of risks. He's not what I would say like a, a ball hawking type safety, but Georgia's had those types of safeties in their secondary before. And, and sometimes those guys would make, big plays and force a lot of turnovers, but they also would gamble and get beat a lot. And I think he was coached to, you know, make the, the smart play uh, more than, you know, trying to, to force something. And, and he did a really good job with that over the last few years. And, and with that being said, he still has six interceptions the last two seasons. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. No, he's, I mean, yeah, he's definitely super savvy. He's really, really good at getting his head around and knowing when the ball is in the air. You, I don't recall a time over the last two years where he was in coverage and he was in phase with a, a receiver and he didn't know a ball was on the way. He, he will flip his hips and he will get his hands up and, and he will play through the receiver when the ball is coming in and then he's playing you know more in a cover two zone role. But I think the thing that a lot of people might not know about him where, where I think he has great value for the Raiders is that uh, he's a guy that has legit DB skills. Like he played safety at Georgia and he bulked up a whole lot between the 2020 and 2021 seasons and got big enough to, you know, fill run lanes in the SEC. But he would have been just as comfortable as a, a corner for Georgia at times. I mean, uh, 2021, Georgia was on the road at Tennessee and their defense got off to a bit of a rough start in that game. And Tennessee kept picking on uh, Latavius Brinney, who was the 
the kind of star slot corner player for Georgia at the time. And three drives into the game, Kirby Smart, Will Muschamp, Glenn Schumann, those guys, uh, they, they switched it up and they pulled Bernie out of the game and they moved Chris Smith down from safety to play uh, over that slot receiver position for Tennessee uh, against Tennessee. And, and, you know, he shut down that player for the rest of the game and, and Tennessee, you know, didn't, didn't score again. I don't think until garbage time of that game, it kind of was the, the turning point. So he's got legit uh, man coverage skills. And I think that was the thing that, that I always went back to with him is just scheme versatility you're really comfortable with him doing a lot of different things. And you're talking about a guy who's played well over a thousand snaps in coverage over the last few years. And, you know, I mean, last season, uh, I mean, he only gave up, I think 20, 20 receptions or so in man coverage. Um, you know, he, he's not a guy that you can really pick on, at least at the college level. Like we, we never saw anybody, uh, that was able to to kind of scheme him up and and create a matchup problem by targeting Chris Smith. Talking all things Chris Smith right now, the fifth round draft pick by the Raiders out of Georgia with Graham Coffee from DogCentral.com here on Raider Nation Radio nine twenty. Necessary roughness. Demond's got one for you. We see it with Chris Smith and with Keely Ringo in this past draft. Do you think that those secondary players for Georgia, they're a little overshadowed when it comes to the attention and what maybe what scouts thought of them because of how dominant the front line was? I think there's there's an argument to be made there for sure. Um, I would say that more about the the 2021 team than the 2022 team. Um, I mean that 2021 team had I think nine pros in the front seven. You know, I mean they had they had pros that weren't starting, and they could they could do things where they only brought four guys or five guys, or they brought you know uh, a linebacker on a delayed blitz and, and forced the ball out and. Their, guy, their, their secondary players didn't have to cover downfield a lot. Um, I think this team, you know, it, it took them time to, to really kind of come into their own, and you just didn't see Georgia run a lot of pressure packages for the first two months of the season. It was kind of something that they saved for some, some better opponents down the road. So you saw a lot more of those guys kind of playing, playing in coverage longer, um, but, I mean, the, the Ohio State game against uh, Georgia in the college football playoff is one that I think, uh, you know, a lot of football fans watched, even if they're not, uh, you know, your diehard college football fan. And you think back to that game, uh, like Georgia did not contain C.J. Stroud, and some of that was due to Nolan Smith being out and injured for the season at that point. But you look at the guys who got picked on when Stroud had time, right? And, and Keely Ringo was one of them. Um, Kamari Lasseter, the, the boundary corner on the other side, was one of them. You didn't see Christopher Smith ever, you know, give up give up a play in that game when when Ohio State got off script. And I mean, no, he wasn't covering Marvin Harrison Jr., but he was covering uh, Ameka Guka, and, and like he was covering really good receivers that uh, you know will play in the NFL. So I think he's a guy you can trust in man coverage, even if. Uh, you know, you're playing base defense and you, you're only bringing four. But uh, I think with Ringo, you saw in that in that game against Ohio State, he's not as adept when it comes to covering twitchier wide receivers. Like, you know, if you want him to cover a big body guy who is only going to run, you know, a, a few different things on the route tree, 
he can do that for you. But if you match him up against a, a more technical route runner who is going to be able to, to stop and start quickly, he's, he's going to struggle with it. And I think the NFL looked at Keeley and for all his athletic gifts, I don't think they were too sure exactly what to do with him because his hips aren't quite fluid enough to be, uh, you know, a, a number one corner in the league or, or maybe even a boundary corner at all. But he didn't want to play safety at Georgia. You know, I think there was a time that discussion happened where Georgia, you know, said to him, hey, like, we, we think your body type and your, your natural skill set is better fit to play you know, in zone coverage more and to, to come downhill instead of having to stay in phase. But he was the number one defensive back recruit in the nation and he wanted to play corner. So he, he did. And, and I mean, you know, he, he did a good job, but um, I think the NFL kind of saw him as a tweener and wasn't sure where exactly he plays. And I think that for a lot of teams in the draft, uh, he just, wasn't going to kind of fit into their their scheme. I think he's a guy that needed to go somewhere that that plays a lot of zone on the back end. You know that that happened to me. That happened to me too, Graham. <laughs> I must admit they didn't. The NFL didn't know where to play me, so they're like, you know what, Q, just go on and sit that one out. <laughs> go on and sit that one out. We don't know where you need to play, so we're going to let you. We're going to let you stand on the sideline, <laughs> Graham. I've got to ask you this as well. When we always hear more about um, offensive players, where it comes to oh that transition, that that's a college style of offense that they're going to have to learn to adapt to an NFL offense. How do you? think that Kirby Smart's defense translates to what these guys will be playing in the NFL? I think it translates pretty well. Um, I mean, you know, he, he didn't spend a long time in the NFL, but uh, he, he was there with the Dolphins under Nick Saban, and um, he's a guy that he himself has his own defensive system, but coming up, he, you know, worked for a lot of different defensive coaches and was exposed to a lot of different schemes. I, I think Georgia, uh, you know, you, you made a really good point earlier kind of talking about their their front four or front seven and the way they're able to play things is a little bit different just because they normally have more talent than the team they're facing. Um, for, for guys that are defensive linemen, I think NFL teams get a pretty excellent value because – Georgia, you know, when when they play uh, a team like a Tennessee, like, you know, you saw Nolan Smith talk about this at the Combine. Like, they're going to play these light boxes, and, you know, they're going to play five-on-five, basically. Um, Sometimes they're going to play five-on-six. And, and, you know, if if the offensive line puts a tight end uh, in line, you know, they're going to try and defend the run with with just four or five guys in the box against some of these big, uh, you know, spread-out, pass-heavy teams. And, We've yet to see anybody punish them for that. Uh, and so point I'm trying to get at is just the defensive linemen are really, really good at playing gap sound football and, and playing unselfish football. Um, you know, I, I saw at one point during the kind of lead up to the draft process, people asking questions about Jalen Carter's sack numbers over the years or, or Nolan Smith. And the reality is just it's really, really rare for Georgia to ask those guys to – pin their ears back and, and just get upfield and try and rush the passer. They want to collapse the pocket kind of onto a quarterback. Uh, you know, they, they want to contain them and they want to be above all else gap sound in the run game. And so you see a lot of plays where those guys are just two gapping and they're ready to jump left or right, depending on 
where that uh, running back might be heading. But I, I think in that sense, they come to the NFL with that ability, which is valuable. But there are times where I think some of these guys from Georgia maybe haven't developed uh, quite as big an array of pass rush moves or you know, can learn to do more with their hands just because – uh, there's no there's no substitute for game reps, and right. they're just not asked to do that in game very much. Graham Coffee, DogCentral.com, is our guest here on Raider Nation Radio 920. Just got a couple more questions for you. I want to take it back to Christopher Smith, again, the fifth-round pick for the Silver and Black. What would you say his biggest weakness is or where he needs to improve the most to be successful on the next level? Yeah, I mean, I think where he's going to probably struggle the most on the next level is just just – pure size, right? Uh, and, I, you know, I don't know how much he can really improve that. I think there's things he can do to, you know, work on kind of getting off blocks better. But, I, you know, he's just not that big of a guy. Right. And he is a very sound tackler when he gets to the football. Um, but, you know, I think that there's things he can do to – to come downhill into the lane a little bit better, but uh, from the from the coverage side of things, I think like he's he's very very polished. Uh, he's not going to give up big plays in the passing game, but just his ceiling is a little lower uh, when it comes to run defense, and uh, you know I, I think that's why you saw him uh, be more of a fifth round pick because I mean you're talking about a guy who was a he was a first team All American, right? Like right. his play on the field and his savvy is is very very high, but just the compared to a lot of guys that you see come through Georgia, there's not the the out of this world natural athletic gifts. Well, 5'10", 192 is his size, and uh, he, he's very Buda Baker-like as far as size. And, of course, Buda Baker's done really well for himself in the NFL. So uh, I think Christopher that Smith has himself, himself a nice opportunity to do some really good things. And he sounds like he's a, he's a film rat, so he's really going to uh, learn what he needs to learn about the NFL game. Final question for you, Graham. Uh, is, and not that Kirby Smart needs any more help recruiting, but is one of his recruiting pitches now at this point, hey, if you're good enough, you'll be an eagle? <laughs> I mean, that's a, you know, that's a good question. Uh, some people have made that joke. I, I mean, I think it, what's interesting about the last two years, I mean, Georgia's had 25 players taken over the last two NFL drafts, which is the most by any college over a two-year span in the modern draft era since the draft went to seven rounds. So um, that's a lot to sell on the recruiting trail, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you know, you get 85 scholarship players and – you know, 85 or 25 of the 85 guys from the 2021 team have gone and been drafted. Uh, you know, I, I think the 2020 roster is up to, I believe, like 34 Oof. players drafted off that team. Um, and more will come next year. Right. So I think in this uh, NIL era of college football, where, you know, you, you basically uh, have two things happening, right? Like you have the recruiting pitch when it comes to football. And then you have the, the conversation of, Hey, uh, you know, how, how much money am I going to make playing for you guys? Right. You know, what, what kind of NL, uh, NIL deals and all of that am I, am I going to get? And I think that uh, Georgia has a strong NIL program for sure. But uh, at the end of the day, like they're, you know, they're not going to play a bidding war with some kid, right? Because they're going to look there and, and they're going to say like, Hey, if you come here and you listen and you take coaching and you do what our strength and nutrition staffs tell you to do, then in three to four years, you're going to go and sign 
uh, a contract for, you know, multiple millions of dollars and you're going to get a signing bonus and all that money is going to trump any, anything that you can make in, in an NIL deal. Um, so I, I think it definitely helps them in that standpoint, kind of from a, you know, delayed gratification sense. Uh, you know, the kids on Georgia's roster, they're making money and they have NIL deals, but at the end of the day, the, the real money, the life-changing money that's going to set you and your people up for life, that will come if you, if you come to Athens and you take coaching. And I think that's something that they can offer that a lot of programs uh, you know, can't point to and say, hey, here's, here's the example. You know, this is the blueprint. Follow this. Trust us. And we'll get you where you want to go. Sign me up. Sign me up, Graham. I'm good. <laughs> right. I'm, on, I'm on my way. Hey, Look at that facility. I mean, you know, like, it, it's unreal, the, the stuff these guys get in college now. I mean, I'm, I'm glad to see it, right? right. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm happy they're, they're getting it. But, uh, man, like, go on YouTube and watch a little video tour of the, the new weight room. And, I mean, like, they got, like, a, a whole, you know, restaurant inside the – the facility where they can order whatever they want. I mean, it's it's wild, man. It's uh, it's unbelievable what what they're doing these days with with college programs. I'm not mad at that at all. I'm not mad. You when are we going to step up the facilities here? <laughs> I want I want a kitchen. You got a kitchen. I mean, well, I want food in the kitchen daily. <laughs> I mean, there's you want somebody in the kitchen cooking, taking orders. <laughs> they got a barbershop there. <laughs> you don't ever go to no, the barbershop yeah, yeah. anyway. Because if we if we have one in the facilities here, unbelievable. <laughs> Graham, this dude's got the worst haircut ever, man. He don't ever keep his his haircut tight. He talking about a because I need the facilities in house. Unbelievable. Hey, man, it's on radio, so you know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no doubt about that. I say the same thing. <laughs> hey, dogcentral.com, what do you got coming out that we should be on the lookout for? Uh, yeah, we, I've, I've been working on a, a series uh, we've called 23 for 23. It's, it's the kind of 23 most important people in the Georgia football universe right now as they uh, start this pursuit for a three-peat next season. So um, I think we're on number 13 or 14 now. Okay. Uh, so, so check that out if you're kind of interested in just the you know how how Georgia operates. It's, it's, there's coaches on there, players on there. Um, so there's kind of a good uh, good breakdown between X and O stuff, and then just. Uh, kind of how how the whole machine runs yeah i'll be checking it out i gotta i gotta stay up to date on everything georgia man is zamir white last year christopher smith this year i gotta stay up on all things georgia i gotta be able to have that conversation in the locker room you know what i mean i gotta i gotta know what i'm talking about because they'll know if i don't so (laughs) graham great stuff man (laughs) great stuff i appreciate you brother yeah, always enjoy it. Thanks for having me on. Yes, sir. Graham Coffee right there, dogcentral.com. You can check him out on Twitter at Dog Out West, and that's D A W G Out West. And yeah, a barbershop here would be nice, but who's gonna cut the hair? I mean, that's up to the to the big wigs to the to put somebody on staff on so, retainer. Okay, so you think that Natalie <laughs> is gonna go into her Rolodex and look, don't get me don't get it twisted. Natalie knows a lot of people. She has great neighbors. Natalie's neighbors are awesome, by the way. Let me just say. She's going to go into her Rolodex and be like, okay, let me have a barber on standby for Q and Demon. Literally, Q and Demon. A boy can dream. Because <laughs> I'm thinking, I mean, who else is going to get their hair cut? Jared? Jared comes in with a wild haircut all the time. I mean, Bobby recently cut the ponytail. Imagine if we had somebody to style it Bobby up. Bobby without a hat on. Chapman's hair is wild. A, a brother who could really benefit from a barber here he in the can, building. He can and a shaver, everything. But I know it's playoff hockey time, so you got to get the beard going. 
But Chapman, he's got his own look. It's like, you know, when you go to the barbershop and you see up on the wall and you're like, give me a number 13. There's a, there's a picture up there. Give me a Chapman. <laughs> give me a Chapman. Said no one ever. <laughs> <laughs> Including him. <laughs> 325 is the time. When we come back, Vinny Bonsignor will keep this train rolling. It's Raider Nation Radio 920. Now back to Unnecessary Roughness with your boy Q. And it's time to go inside the huddle with Vinny Bonsignor. Sponsored by Dos Caras Tequila and presented by the Realty One Group. Got a text on our dobybroke.com text line at 69187 keyword r uh, This is from the 302. It says, great show. You guys know that rookies don't pay off right away. It's a process to be able to read defenses, learn the playbook, adapt to the game speed, and again, coach and gain coaches' trust. You guys are assuming way too much crowned them. Raider Nation for life, and I believe that was our conversation that we had to do with Michael Mayer, who we highlighted in the first hour when we talked to Mike Golick Sr. That was a really good conversation. If you missed out on it, lvsportsnetwork.com. You can always hear any of our shows from the morning tailgate, JT the Brick, and of course, here on Unnecessary Roughness. And uh, all we're saying about, or at least what I'm saying about Michael Mayer, is that he's going to start. He's going to start day one, and he's a damn good player. And he's going to add to the Raiders' offense. I realize everyone else, defensively, other guys like Tucker and, and, and Aiden O'Connell obviously have to learn the game. But Michael Mayer is a guy that's starting day one. Like I said, the schedule comes out next week. And when it does, whatever that first game is circled, he's starting. He's starting that day. Is barring, barring any kind of injury, right? And that goes for anybody. He's starting Day one. Join us now on the phone lines. As you heard, is our good friend Vinny Bonsignor from the RJ, the Review Journal. Of course, Raider Nation Radio 920. You can hear him every single morning on the morning tailgate with Clay Baker and Lindsey Brown. And Vinny, thanks so much for your time. And we deep dove into uh, Michael Mayer earlier, and you're a Notre Dame fan. You you follow Notre Dame. You watch football with them all the time. Uh, what are your thoughts on Michael Mayer? And am I wrong in saying he's a day one starter? No, uh, absolutely not. You know, and, and, you know, I'm unapologetically a Notre Dame fan and have been <laughs> my entire life. And, you know, obviously when you follow like the recruiting and everything like that, I'm, I'm one of those guys. Um, I mean, we, we all knew about Michael Mayer as a Notre Dame, as Notre Dame fans. Um, and we heard about, you know, hey, there's this big tight end coming. Uh, keep an eye on this kid. Great recruit. And you have to understand, if you're a Notre Dame fan, you know that this has become Notre, or tight end university. You know, um, you, Tyler Eifert, uh, um, you know, you, there's, there's a whole bunch of the, the former Vikings tight end uh, that played for the, for the Giants for a little bit. They've put out a bunch of good tight ends recently. And Michael Mayer was the next in line, and not only was he the next Cole Komet, he, he, he basically, not that he took Cole's job, but with an NFL tight end on the roster, he was every bit as good as Cole was as a freshman. From day one, uh, he was uh, a man amongst boys at, on the college level and at Notre Dame, playing against you know, great players and a great schedule. So yeah, I see no reason why uh, Michael's not going to be able to come in here and be a day one starter and be somebody that you could utilize in the red zone packages, in the blocking game, um, you know, downfield in the red zone. There's a lot of ways that he's going to be able to help this football team. That's what I think as well. And the question that I had thrown out there to Raider Nation earlier was if, if Jimmy G stays healthy, how good do you think this Raiders offense can be? And so we started highlighting Mayer because of what you said about the red zone. He is really, really effective in the red zone. He's not the most athletic dude, but he just finds ways to get open. Vinny, why is he so effective and good in the red zone? Extremely smart player, extremely physical player. And in the red zone where it's closer quarters, um, you know, being able to run the right route, obviously that, that comes into play. But being physical, being able to create some space for him. He was a basketball player uh, in high school, and I think that was really his first love. Uh, so he understands how to, you know, box somebody out uh, to go get the ball. And then when you talk about 
his hands. I mean, the guy catches everything. There's a catch. I'm sure everybody's seen it by now. I forget who, who, who they were playing. I say we sometimes with Notre Dame, but uh, <laughs> I forget who they were playing, but it was like a one-handed catch as he's diving while he's getting covered, um, you know, like a blanket. And, mm-hmm. and he's got those hands. I don't remember him really dropping any passes at Notre Dame. And, and they really did as the years went on. Uh, he was basically their offense. You know, they had some quote-unquote I would call them try-hard quarterbacks. Right. You know, they never really were able to, to come up with a great quarterback while he was there. Um, and you know, their their skill players weren't um, you know weren't weren't you know, in a lot of cases all that great as well. So he was the guy. And even going against defenses that were we got to stop eighty-seven, we got to stop Michael Mayer. I don't care. They wanted to do that. They tried to do that, but he was never able to be stopped. Yeah, no doubt. He's effective. He's very, very effective. And Notre Dame reaped the benefits of one Michael Mayer. Again, Vinny Bonsignor is our guest here from the RJ, the Review Journal, and also Raider Nation Radio 920. We're here on Unnecessary Roughness, and I heard you guys on the morning tailgate this morning talking about Hunter Renfro, and of course the Raiders went out there and got Trey Tucker, and Trey Tucker is a slot guy. He's a very fast guy. Him and Hunter Renfro's games are different. In your mind, is there a world where these two can coexist on the field maybe at the same time? time or even in just kind of a, like a, a rotation yeah I think I definitely think in a rotation and and you know there's things that that, that Tucker does that uh, really nobody on the roster right now d- d- uh, does they, they he, he adds an element of speed uh, that they and we talked about this a lot last year uh, cube there was a lack of speed we could tell um, that there just wasn't that one guy that that can that can burn it and and he's a guy that I think early on in his career, you know, Dave Ziegler has talked about it as a special teams guy, so punt return, kickoff, kickoff return game, um, as a gunner, you know, on punt return, on punt coverage, but also, um, you know, fly sweeps. We saw a lot of that when he was at the University of Cincinnati. There's going to be a ways that he, that things that he does differently than Hunter and even Jacoby Myers that they're going to be able to utilize probably early on, assuming he gets the playbook and, you know, is, is, is ready in that regard uh, to, to go out there and, and do his job capably. But I would expect that, you know, early on there's going to be some packages for him that, that complement guys like Hunter Renfro and Jacoby Myers. Vinny, I've got to ask you, I know that you guys had Peter King on earlier this week, and he was talking about his experience inside the Raiders' draft room, but do you think that the Raiders, obviously, you know, they like the players that they pick, but is this the draft that they wanted? Maybe not the particular players, but the positions where they got them in the draft. Is this as good of a draft that they could have hoped for? Yeah, I mean, I think that there's always, you know, times where you can kind of look back and say, you know, would have done this a little bit differently, would have done that a little bit differently. Um, but, but, and that's that's the case for every draft. And I give Dave Ziegler uh, a lot of credit for kind of owning that and, and saying that. But you know, the thing is, when you're com- you really are competing against. 31 other teams, and, and to try to get into everybody's head exactly what they're doing, um, it's impossible to do. So there's probably some players uh, that that, uh, that fell by the wayside because somebody jumped up ahead of them and picked them or surprisingly picked them before the Raiders' uh, you know, uh, turn came. And you know you could say, well, they should have traded up for them. Well, they did trade up, I think, four times in this, or trade made four trades uh, in, this, in this draft, and that turned 12 picks into nine picks. How many more picks are you willing to give up to get the guy or your guy, um, you know, that's, that's a fine line as well. You don't want to come out of here with just six players after having 12 draft picks, and that's what it would require to do to trade up all the time to go get your guy. Um, but to answer your question, I think that this was a draft that they're very satisfied with. I think 
Um, you know, right off the bat with Tyree and, and Michael Mayer, you got guys that I believe are going to be day one contributors in a big way. Uh, I think Byron Young profiles is somebody that's going to get on the field pretty early. I like Christopher Smith, uh, the safety, Jacorian, uh, the, 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 uh, the cornerback I think is going to push for playing time. So, yeah, I think they're, they're pretty satisfied. But like they've said, you know, from day one of this draft uh, to, day, to the last day of the draft to undrafted free agency, everybody starts at the back of the line, and it's time for them now to prove uh, why the Raiders picked them and that they belong to play this year and that they, bl- they are, are ready to play this year. A guy that I want to ask you about that you didn't name there in your last answer, Aiden O'Connell, where this guy, he's probably just being brought in to be a, a solid backup, develop him into that. But I feel like Raider Nation is already poo-pooing on a guy that's probably just going to be the backup quarterback already. Are you getting that sense from the fans as well? My fault. <laughs> uh, you know, a, a, a little bit probably, but but here's 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 why it's important even at that – if that's his floor – uh, just as a good, solid backup that could be here for the next five years, maybe six years, whatever the case might be. Um, the money that that saves having to go out and get somebody on a one-year deal or maybe a two-year deal, teach them the offense, and then just have to do it over again and again and again. Um, whereas you could bring in somebody that, you know, in a draft, teach him and, and, and kind of indoctrinate him into being an NFL quarterback on your dime with your system, with your verbiage, all of that good stuff. Uh, that ends up paying off over the course of time. And it's not going to preclude the Raiders from drafting another quarterback uh, next year. Remember, uh, Jared Stidham got drafted, and I think what, it was a couple years later maybe, or maybe a year later, uh, that, they, that they went and got um, you know, uh, uh, Mac Jones, the mm-hmm. quarterback from Alabama, and then they followed that up with another draft pick for another quarterback um, last year. So, so just because they're bringing him in here to potentially be uh, a backup quarterback as his as his floor, that's not a, a bad thing uh, whatsoever. And I know some people would say, well, then why did you tra- draft him so high? Well, you are we, 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 just read the room in that situation. Two quarterbacks go back to back, including Stetson Bennett from Georgia uh, and Jake Hayner from Fresno State. There was a run on quarterbacks right then. So if yeah. you wanted to get a guy that you felt good about, you had to do it right then and there because it was obvious that this is a league where one or two of positions start, you know, of a position start falling off. The draft board, people are going to make sure that they're, that they're not on the outside looking in, so they're going to make a draft pick with the quarterback. So there was no guarantee that he was going to be there much longer if the Raiders had not you know, drafted him where they drafted him. No, you're, you're right about that. You're 100% right about that. I mean, there was a run on wide receivers in round one, four in a row, offensive linemen. It always happens. Corners, tight ends. I mean, it always happens. So at some point, you do have to make that 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 choice to go ahead and get your quarterback if that's what you want to do. Again, Vinny Bonsignor is our guest here on Raider Nation Radio 920, Unnecessary Roughness. And since DeMond brought up Aiden O'Connell, let's stick with Aiden O'Connell real quick. He has it upstairs, right? The only thing that I look at and just don't I'm not a big fan of is the fact he's not mobile. But outside of that, I mean he he pretty much he's got it. So what are your overall thoughts on Aiden O'Connell? You mentioned his floor being a, a really good backup. Is he a guy that you think could potentially develop into something more than that? maybe for the Raiders or maybe for the Raiders or anyone else in the league. Right. Um that's that's Definitely a great. Un- I think. Yeah, I think he could. I think there's. I think there's a skill there. And and one thing I would say about the mobility. Sometimes we have to differentiate. And and, and at least what I've seen on film. I'm gonna. I'm gonna say this. He's not gonna run. We get that. He's right. not gonna be a runner. But if you watch the footwork in the pocket, he's he was able to get himself out of some danger and create new passing. You know, windows just using his feet in. You know, uh, being mobile in and around the pocket. He show he shows that uh, on film. So. He might, he's not a statue, that's what I'm saying. He's not a runner, but I also don't think he's a statue. And look, I'm not going to, 
I hesitate to say this, all right, but I'm going to. And <laughs> and I'm talking about if you were to if you were to talk about a quarterback that he kind of reminds you of in the skill set and the arm strength, getting the ball out quickly, extremely accurate. If you wanted to talk about like what type of quarterback is he, he feels to me like a Kurt Warner type quarterback. I'm not saying he's Kurt Warner, right. but I'm saying that Kurt Warner was never going to run <laughs> at all, you know. Uh, but he had he was he had vision, he had he had great accuracy, he gave the ball out quickly, he processed things uh, in a in a in a you know computer like way, uh, and was able to succeed at a really high level, even though he wasn't somebody that could run. And I, if Kurt Warner were healthy right now, and you put him in today's NFL, he would still be able to succeed. Because because he had skills that you know are very very hard to teach, and I think O'Connell does have some of those skills. Not saying he's Kurt Warner, but if that's the quarterback that you're kind, of, you know, if you want to try to draw some kind of a comparison to on who he sort of reminds you of, it's that type of a quarterback. Vinny, I've got to ask you about the Raiders' newest signee, and I don't want to butcher his name, but David out of Nigeria, Abuka. The, say it again, Abuka. David Abuka. All right, what can you tell us about him and the Raiders signing of him? Yeah, um, talked to the Raiders today. Uh, talked to Dave Ziegler today about about him, and um, you know they they sent their pro scouting department uh, or you know part of their uh, pro scouting to- uh, out to I think it was in Florida. I believe it was the one in Florida. But anyway, they had a, a, a an international pro day. Yeah, I believe it was in Florida, and it was it was not too long before the draft. Uh, and David and I think there were thirty some odd players that partic- participated in that. Going back to a um, a camp that they had in London, although David wasn't able to perform there because of some visa problems, but he had done enough uh, previously at another camp uh, to to open up some eyes. All right, so he gets invited to Florida, spends ten weeks uh, out there along with uh, the other players that had sort of graduated at that point. Then went to the pro day, and the Raiders were really impressed <laughs> with him. So uh, they were hoping that he would get awarded to them, and that's kind of how that works. The NFL assigns certain players. Now, I wonder if you know teams have a little bit of influence. Hey, we really like this guy. We would re- we'd really like to get this guy into our camp. If that has any persuasion or anything like that. But lo- the long and short of it is, a guy that they really liked uh, at that pro, um, you know, international pro day is now on their roster, and he doesn't count um, against their 90-man roster right now, so he's the, uh, the equivalent of a 91st player. Uh, and if he makes the team, that's one thing. Um, you know, he has a chance to make the 53-man roster. I'd say at this point, that's probably a little bit of a long shot. But there will be an exception if the Raiders want to keep him beyond that, uh, where he can uh, be on the practice squad, and they just add a practice squad spot for these international players. And there has been some success stories uh, that you know in the NFL of players since this program has been instituted that are now on 53-man rosters and are now contributing players uh, on their team. So David at six foot five, I think he's up to 265 now. He was listed at 245, uh, but it sounds like he put on 20 pounds going to the uh, IMG Academy, which they probably fed him really well along with everybody else, and put some good weight on him. So he's even bigger than he was just six months ago or so um, and there's some certain things we all know this you, you, you can't teach six foot five unfortunately <laughs> right. I never got to six five and DeMond we know you didn't get to six five uh, either <laughs> <laughs> Um, but but there's some skills there to work with, and I'm rooting for the kid. You know, all of these kids that are coming uh, over here internationally, I think it's a beautiful thing for the sport of football, uh, and just being able to understand like there's 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 no fences here. You know, uh, football can look over to other countries to find talent, and really to give other people around the world 
a great opportunity to uh, to make life changing money and you know life changing opportunity. There is no doubt about that. Again, Vinny Bonsignor is our guest here on Raider Nation Radio nine twenty. Unnecessary roughness. Now, I wanted to ask you: the Raiders didn't draft any offensive linemen. They had thoughts of offensive linemen, but they didn't draft any. They went and signed a couple undrafted free agents: Dalton Wagner out of Arkansas and McClendon Curtis out of Chattanooga. What can you tell us about those those two guys, and, and how much of an opportunity do you think that they're going to have to make this roster? Yeah, um, I think in McClendon Curtis's case, uh, and not to shortchange uh, Dalton, um, Dalton's a mountain of a man, by the way, but uh, I think McClendon's a guy that has a real chance uh, to maybe open some eyes uh, early on. Um, you, you watch the tape, and, and he can move, and he's big. Uh, he moves people. Um, there's, I don't know why he didn't get drafted, I'll be honest. I'm not an expert, but I, 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 just watching him on film, I feel like he's the guy that should have been probably should have been drafted. So he has an opportunity, I think, to compete um, for a roster spot, if not maybe that right guard uh, spot, and they can certainly use an upgrade uh, at that position. And when we talk about the offensive line, I think that's one when we talked earlier about was this the draft that the Raiders really wanted. I have a feeling that they, there were some probably, they were some offensive line targets that they had throughout the draft that just went right ahead to somebody else, you know, uh, mm-hmm. drafted the, the players that they were looking for. So I don't think it was by design that they didn't draft offensive line in this draft. I just think it was the way it played out. But they made up for it uh, in some of these, uh, you know, undrafted free agent signings. And as we saw last year, Q, um, you know the Raiders don't care where you came from. If you can show them what they what you, what they need to see in training camp, you're going to get an opportunity because there were guys that were playing last year, a lot of football uh, that came up through the undrafted free agency ranks. I know you mentioned you talked to uh, Dave Ziegler a little while ago or earlier today. Was there any mention of Drake Thomas, uh, the linebacker out of NC State, also signed as an undrafted free agent? Is there any background on that young man? Uh, no, I didn't 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 ask about uh, about Drake, but he's another guy that you know you put on the film. A little on the shorter size, um, you know, uh, but gosh darn it, he gets after it. <laughs> this guy makes plays <laughs> out there. So I'm sure the measurables weren't there in terms of, you know, the height and weight, but there's certain guys that just have that uh, football player in him. And Drake certainly seems to be that kind of a guy. I would, I would suspect um, that he's a, probably a, you know, I'm not going to shortchange him either. He's, he's going to get an opportunity to make the 53-man roster. Uh, but but he, at the very least, uh, I would think that this is a guy that could be on the practice squad this year. Now, I mean, it makes sense. And again, those, those positions that I just pointed out, offensive line and linebacker, of course, the Raiders did draft a linebacker in uh, round six in Amari Bernie out of Florida. But uh, those are areas of, of concern and, and need and, and really kind of want to see the Raiders uh, shore up that uh, those positions on their roster. And just a couple more questions for you, Vinny. As far as free agency goes, obviously that's still alive and well. The Raiders have more money, about $16 million now that they uh, restructured Chandler Jones's contract. Do you see anybody out there maybe on the free agent market that you think that they might make a run at? I think they, I, I, you know, I think it, there's going to be a little bit of a lull here, um, uh, but but I but I think they're they're probably going to, you know, get a good look at at, at OTAs, um, or at least the early part of OTAs, to really see what they have to work with right now, and that includes some of these undrafted free agents, and excuse me, obviously the rookies uh, that they brought in. Uh, and I think very soon after is when they'll probably regroup. Because right now, I think they're at 90 right now. Yeah. So they would have to uh, cut somebody to add somebody. But but I, I think that they want to give this a fair chance um, uh, to, to give it a look. Although, with the surplus that they have at wide receiver, if there is, let's say, a cornerback or a linebacker out there, and I'm not you know privy to any mm-hmm. particular names or anything like that, uh, I've heard Dalton Reisner, uh, the, the offensive lineman, uh, formerly of the Denver Broncos, as somebody that you know maybe the Raiders might have their their eye on. 
but I think first and foremost, they kind of want to get an idea of what they have, and, we're, and they're probably going to see that here pretty soon with the rookie minicamp coming up and the rookie minicamp tryout coming up, uh, and then guys are going to start getting on the field in a, in a kind of a real way in the next phase of the offseason program, so they'll have a pretty good idea of what, what they have to work with and what they have to, uh, uh, what areas they need to maybe you know, shore up a little bit. Final question for you, and it might be the most important question. Uh, the Lakers are up 1-0 on the Warriors, so uh, I know you got the Southern Cal ties. I got the Bay Area ties. Mm. Who's going who's gonna to take tonight's game, too? Yeah, uh, I'm expecting, um, you know, uh, a, a, a huge rebound game uh, from the Golden State Warriors without question. I think if the one thing that if you're a Laker fan you pr- feel pretty good about is, you know, and assuming Anthony Davis stays healthy, and that's a big <laughs> assumption. Yeah, it is. Who do you, who, I, I just, even going into this series, I'm like, all right, who's going to really uh, match up with him? Uh, I think the world of Kevin Looney, the former UCLA Bruin for a year. Um, but, I, I'm, you know, and as, as much as he's great on the boards, it's, 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 he, there's no, he has no chance of defending Anthony when Anthony's being aggressive right. um, and, and doing his thing. And the stats showed that. Even Draymond Green, he's not going to, He's like, I, as savvy as he is, you're still talking about a seven-footer that has you know, all kinds of different skills. So I did worry about it from the Warriors' perspective in terms of the Lakers' size. And they, they, they go to the uh, hoop. They force fouls. Uh, it's a, sort of an old-school way that they play. Uh, but it certainly got the Warriors' number uh, in game one, and now they have to respond. So I'm hoping my Lakers are acting or feeling a little bit greedy today, but it is still Steph and Clay and Draymond uh, and Steve Kerr and that home crowd. Uh, so... Um, you know, and I can't argue with one and one going back to the going back to crypto arena, but uh, it would be sure it sure would be nice if the Lakers get tonight's game too. I'll tell you what, the Lakers have the size, man. I said it going into game one; they've got the size. The Warriors obviously can't match up that way. The pick and roll is a great way for the Lakers to take advantage. My big question is: Can the Lakers play with that kind of fever pitch that they played in game one? Can they go? Can he go? AD go forty four minutes? Can LeBron go forty four minutes? If they can do that, then all bets are off. But it's going to be tough. I think it's going to be a hell of a series. I'm definitely looking forward to Game 2 this evening. So, Vinny, great stuff as always, my man. What do you got coming out on the RJ we should be on the lookout for? Yeah, I'm going to be doing a uh, positional breakdown uh, for Sunday's paper in terms of um, you know uh, what each group looks like right now and, yeah. and, and should they go out and, uh, and try to get some help. So that's what I'm working on. Also working on a Tyree Wilson uh, story. Not quite sure when that's going to uh, come out, but uh, but I am doing uh, some work on that, and, and uh, thanks for the heads up on that one, by the way. Yeah, no doubt, and a little, a little uh, side note there, uh, the defensive coordinator there at Texas Tech also coached up Devontae Adams there in uh, at, at Fresno State, so there's a nice little tie there, so you might be able to get a two-for-one or just saying. I am hoping that that's the case. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. We I'm love not, those. <laughs> I'm not mad at you at all. Well, uh, thanks for your time, brother. Keep up the great work both uh, in the RJ and obviously uh, on the morning tailgate as well. We'll see you in the morning. All right, you too. Take care, Devon. There he goes, Vinny Bonsignor. He fired a shot at you when he was talking about your height, man. Yeah, he's going to try to be cool with me after he fired off that short joke. Yeah, I mean, it's, I, it was, it's not really a joke. It's and really, then, it's I, really mean, truth. I mean, and then the Laker talk, you know what, Vinny? I don't want to hear from you. I brought up the Lakers. I mean, I don't care. I, I mean, mean, that's what happens when your team is playing in the second round and, and, and your co-host team dipped out in the first round because they're, they're cool in the West. See, yeah, they're real had, cool in the West. Obviously, I had nothing to say. <laughs> Neither did they. (laughs) They're real cool in the West. They're so cool, they ain't got a damn thing that they have to say. 3.52 is the time. Many thanks to Vinny Bonsignor. We do appreciate him. The question we threw out there, if Jimmy G stays healthy, how good do you think this Raiders offense could be? And if there is a free agent or two that you think the Raiders should make a move on, 
post-draft. Who do you think it should be? Again, 702-365-9200-69187, keyword R&R. So don't be broke.com text line. Paloma Villacana from Fox 5 Sports will join us at 4.30. So right now, our phone lines and our text line are wide open like some old-school TV antennas. It's Radio Nation Radio 920.